True North's Andrew Lawton has arrived in Davos, Switzerland for the World Economic Forum's annual general meeting. And unlike in previous years, True North has been accredited by the WEF to report from inside of the conference. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith says she's asking Justice Minister Tyler Shandro and his Deputy Minister to consider on a regular basis whether charges made for breaching COVID-19 restrictions are in the public interest. A law professor and gay rights activist says the shutting down of his seminar at McGill University last week by trans activists was horribly anti-democratic. Hello Canada, it's Monday, January 16th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Anthony Fury. And I'm Rachel Emanuel. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. world's elites have arrived in Davos, Switzerland for the World Economic Forum's annual meeting. And True North is on the ground, asking the tough questions and telling you what you need to know about what's happening there this year. True North's Andrew Lawton arrived in Switzerland over the weekend, and unlike in previous years, True North has been accredited by the WEF. This means that we're going to have full access to the conference, including going inside the facilities. As previously reported by True North, Many Canadians are going to be at the event, including Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland and International Trade Minister Mary Eng. Meanwhile, Conservative leader Pierre Polyev has made good on his promise that no Conservative MPs will be present at the event. You can follow our coverage of the World Economic Forum annual meeting all this week at www.tnc.news. Rachel, I think it's really important that we have someone on the ground on site to report on the details of what's happening because there's a lot of interest, there's a lot of chatter, positive, negative, everything in between about what goes on at this annual meeting. And I think Canadians have a right to know, well, what is going on? Yeah, Anthony, I couldn't agree more with you. You know, I really enjoyed Andrew's covers thus far. He's done a good job of sort of painting a picture of people that are coming in, how expensive it's going to be. And also the thing I think is really interesting is how there's some media that are invited to actually come to the conference as guests year after year. And then there's select outlets, independent outlets, particularly like True North, like Rebel News, as Andrew mentioned in one of his latest video, that are there to get the details of what's going on and ask the tough questions about what the WEF's policies actually mean for people around the world and what they're pursuing. So looks like the conference is finally starting this week and Andrew is going to be reporting for us about what sort of policies they're putting forward and their ideas for what the world should look like and whether or not that's going to impact independent sovereign nations and if those nations actually want to adapt and adopt some of these policies. One thing that's interesting is Christia Freeland has been a familiar face over the years at Davos because she was a senior journalist at Reuters for a number of years based out of Manhattan, and she was one of the leaders of their financial coverage. So she would have uh, known and written about and hobnobbed with a lot of the global elite and the global financial circuit over the years. So she appeared at Davos on panels and, and she would act as a moderator and, and, and have a, a sort of general involvement there. People with the Wall Street Journal, the Financial Times, they're also a bit more uh, familiar and embedded with the organization because they do report on what the global financial elite is getting up to. But I, I think it's also very important for more 
more media representative of regular folks who are going to be subject to whatever schemes are devised at Davos to also have some representation. And I think that's why it's important that True North can just tell average Canadians, by the way, these, these crazy ideas that they're developing there to implement this or that new tax on your lives, this is where it's starting. This is the incubator. And here's what you got to know. Well, that's just it. And I think that even if we look at how the WF's annual general meeting is being formatted, we're getting a sense of how they think the world should exist. For example, they're calculating everyone's carbon footprint at the conference this year. I know Andrew said that True North didn't want to chip in for the offset, which totally makes sense. But I think, you know, these are the type of policies they would actually like to see on a regular basis in countries around the world. They want people to be looking at their carbon footprint and potentially paying to offset their carbon footprint. So it's giving us a pretty good idea of what we can expect to see from them in the future and of how they would actually like the world to look. Less than three months after saying she wanted to seek pardons for those who violated COVID-19 restrictions, Alberta Premier Danielle Smith said last week that she's asking Justice Minister Tyler Shandro and his deputy minister to consider on a regular basis whether charges made for breaching COVID-19 restrictions are in the public interest. Here's what that sounded like. The, the way our, our system of, uh, of justice works is that we do have an independent justice department and independent Crown prosecutors. And I have asked them to consider all charges under the lens of, is it in the public interest to pursue? And is there a reasonable likelihood of conviction? Um, as we continue to see some of these cases go through, some of them get dropped, some of them fail, they have to com consistently recalibrate. But uh, I do want to make sure that they have an independent process for assessing that. But I ask them on a regular basis, um, as new cases come out, is it in the public interest to pursue? And is there a reasonable likelihood of conviction? And so I'll, I'll leave the, the justice system to work, but I, I, do, I do think that's an important lens for us to be looking at these kinds of charges. At the United Conservative Party's annual general meeting last year, Smith said she was seeking legal advice on granting amnesty to individuals and businesses fined for violating Alberta's COVID-19 restrictions. Smith said most charges were administrative fines from Alberta Health Services due to a political decision to, quote, throw out the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Anthony, it's been pretty interesting watching the story unfold over the last week. I think with the context of what Smith said at the United Conservative Party annual general meeting in October, where she was seeking legal advice, some people have seen her new comments to ask the Justice Minister to consider whether these charges are really in the public interest to pursue. Some have seen that as her walking back on that promise. It's a bit of a tricky one because she did say that she was seeking legal advice. It sounds like she's probably sought out that legal advice and realized she can't actually ask Crown prosecutors to walk back those fines. But what's your take on this story? Well, there's also a broader question to be asked about what it means to have someone go through a court process or even a, a, a ticket fine process when those rules that they were fined for, sent to jail over, are no longer on the books. I know when marijuana was signaled to be decriminalized and, and, and legalized, there's a lot of questions of, okay, well, the policing regime pretty much has to stop right now, because how can you find a guy for this when the headlines are saying, well, in three months, it's going to be totally legal anyway. So I think this idea that, you know, the more extreme examples of you had your uncle over for Thanksgiving dinner back in whichever year or season, it was illegal to do that in some provinces. I, I can't believe I'm actually saying these words, but that, that was a fact uh, here in Ontario at, at certain times. You put that on the books and then a few months later, you go to court and you're left scratching your head going, really, guys, did we really do this? 
And I think that's the spirit that Daniel Smith is making these remarks in. She doesn't want to be seen uh, directly managing individual files in the judiciary because, of course, that's not how a free society works. But the government also has to set the tone. I, I mean, Jason Kenney's government set the tone uh, for how they'd be going after people. So I think it's fair for Daniel Smith to set the tone saying, OK, maybe we've got to walk that back a bit. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, we've already seen some of these charges being dropped here in Alberta under that new tone that Premier Smith has set. For example, Pastor Tim Stevens, he was charged for not following COVID-19 rules, like having a minimum number of people at his church and masking rules, things like that. Those charges were dropped. Mind you, he spent 21 days in jail and related to the charges already, but eventually those charges were dropped. Do you know if other provinces are looking at this and sort of resetting that tone across Canada, or is it really just Alberta that's setting this precedent right now? Well, as we know, Daniel Smith really has been the leader on saying things were wrong. They shouldn't have happened. We need to make redress. We even need to make apologies for them. There haven't been that many rollovers in government. We've had elections. Ontario Premier Doug Ford was re-elected with another majority mandate. So while I think there's a lot of argument to be said that he overreached and he made a number of mistakes, he's not going to be the one to say that because we all know politicians are the last people to ever use the word sorry. After trans activists shut down his seminar at McGill University last week, King's College London human rights law professor Robert Wintemute says that he is worried about the future of debate in academia amid a disregard for free speech by left-wing students and universities. In an interview with True North, Wintemute, a gay rights activist, says it is horribly anti-democratic that activists shut down his seminar. Wintemute was set to give a talk at McGill titled the sex versus gender identity debate in the UK and the divorce of LGB from T last Tuesday. That was the long name of the event. Now, the event was hosted by McGill's Center for Human Rights and Legal Pluralism. But prior to the event taking place, trans activists penned an open letter condemning it. They claimed that Wintemute is anti-trans and that McGill was, quote, actively contributing to the genocide of trans people across the world by hosting him. On the day of the seminar, protesters stormed into the room unplugged a projector, and threw flour at Wintemute, who was escorted out of the room and sought refuge in the dean's office. You can read Wintemute's full interview and see clips from it at www.tnc.news. Rachel, this is so incredible. We have a gentleman who was a gay rights activist, or still is a gay rights activist. He wants to give this speech talking about how transgender activism should perhaps not be coupled with gay and lesbian activism. That's what he means by removing the T from LGBT. It's hosted by McGill University, a major university. He is a professor. This seems like it should be a pretty common mainstream affair, and yet the activists could not handle this. And, and this, they saw not only as being a bit too much, but apparently as contributing to genocide. It's really getting quite out there. It is getting quite out there, but at the same time, it's not because it's just becoming so commonplace nowadays that young people who are graduating from universities get offended by ideas and they're not even willing to have discussions. It's a day and age where it's offensive to even ask the question. People do not want to have discussions that make them uncomfortable, and they especially don't want to have discussions with people who don't hold the same values as them. And that's creating a really big problem for us as a society, and clearly not even just here in Canada, but elsewhere in other Western countries as well. Do you think these sort of examples push us more towards a backlash, though, because here we have a gentleman who I, I believe he identifies as a bit centrist or perhaps left-leaning politically. He's a gay gentleman, a professor at uh, an environment, academia, being a more left-leaning environment. I mean, if this guy is too much for the activists, if he is contributing to genocide, I mean, heaven help us all. I imagine most regular folks are looking at this going, wow, this is a little bonkers these days. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think what it really does is it sort of helps to wake up those people in the middle ground, people that identify as just traditional liberals. I think there's a divide between people who are liberals and, and wokeism. And we've seen a lot of people who are traditional liberals really separate themselves from that movement and even more often finding themselves in a conservative camp nowadays because they just can't believe how far some liberalism has gone and they don't have desire to really identify with that wokeism. And I think that's what we're seeing here when we talk about people who are unwilling to discuss ideas that they don't agree with. That's wokeism. That's not traditional liberalism. So I think it is helping to sort of wake up that middle audience about what's going on at our universities and on our campuses, which is a good thing. But, you know, it's still disappointing that we're really in this place as a society right now and that we've let it get to this point. That's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.